0: Hi again, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode 129 of the Sports Podcast. Tim and Anthony with you. It's kind of in that slower period of uh, sports. Now, I won't say it's completely dead because that's not true. Obviously, we have the NFL playoffs going on, and college basketball has is in the midst of their season, and we have other things going on. And of course, baseball is in the hot stove era. Of the uh, season, so there's there's some things to talk about that my we'll get into maybe a little bit of Liverpool. Because, you know, I got to talk about them. Less than uh, let's see, today's the 20th. We're eight days away from the start of the AFLW. i I got a lot on my plate. So yeah, you know, yeah. There's there's so there's a few plus of course, and I didn't even mention this. Talk about bearing the lead again. Newcastle's undefeated through five games and three and zero in the league. Before we
1: get in on that, I want to say this. That guy can coach, and I want to talk about that uh, later because I've been uh, thinking about that and some other things in the last couple of days as far as sports and the pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll get into everything. Obviously, you know, not to bury the lead. uh, If you listened to our podcast last week, at the very end, I I let everyone know that we reached over 10,000 downloads and listens on our uh, podcast we continue to grow and I want to thank everybody who has uh, told someone about the podcast, recommended it, downloads it and, uh, and continue to do that please. Cause uh, we we've enjoyed it. We're just under a little under three years of doing this podcast. I think we started in March mm-hmm. uh, about three years ago. So mm-hmm. again, my thanks to everybody who's uh, listened uh, one time or a uh, hundred times. Uh, we thank you all. And please, like I like to say, and I say it, uh, with a little humor involved, uh, tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP, because uh, the more people listen, the more we grow, and uh, again, you can interact us anywhere on social media and, of course, uh, on our our own homepage, uh, RadioMVP.com, which uh, will accept any comments on any uh, podcast we make. So with that in mind, let me bring in my partner and friend, Anthony. How you doing, my friend?
1: Great. It's nice to be back this week. Uh, like you mentioned, it's a slower week, uh, per se with not a ton of action to talk about, but as you mentioned, the countdown towards the beginning of other sports seasons and tournaments is rapidly approaching a basketball tournament for high school starts in, I believe a month, right? Late February. Yeah. yeah first week it, of March.
0: You know, it's going to be weird too. Uh, obviously everyone knows about my connection with, uh, Newcastle mm-hmm. and, uh, the WPIL, uh, won't be, won't have the uh, championship game at the peak this year uh, because of uh, COVID and mm-hmm. just, it's too expensive the to rent. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, sell tickets like you they're taking the same approach that Ohio football mm-hmm. took uh, open tournament. Anybody who wants to be in the tournament can be in the tournament. If you play five games this year, or if you play 15 games or 20 games, you automatically qualify if you choose to be in the tournament and they'll seed it if, appropriately you know mm-hmm. by a rating system that they've used in the past uh basically a committee determines that pr- prior to each division and uh they're going to basically use home sites up and through the the semi and then the finals we'll see where they put it probably some high schools and and mm-hmm. uh throughout the you know uh the wpil probably in the pittsburgh area but you know you never know could be New- newcastle could be anywhere Um, they may have two or three sites thought I'd pass on that little information as we talk about it, but you're right. There's a lot going on. And, uh, Anthony, we have the, uh, the football season to talk about first. Let's, let's, uh, yes, let's deal with the, uh, my, uh, my Cleveland Browns, uh, football season came to an end last Sunday afternoon against a very good, uh, Kansas city team. And I'll tell you what, man, they fought to the end. They had the opportunities. There's a lot of strategy we could talk mm-hmm. about and you know i honestly yeah what can you say a, a rule that's been around forever everyone knows about it about a uh, fumble into the end zone going out of the end zone mm-hmm. is a touchback for the defense which is uh, you know it's been the rule forever and uh, it came back to haunt the browns you know when uh, rashad higgins caught mm-hmm. the ball and stretched out for the goal line and fumbled it inbounds and goes through the end zone and cost them six points and. Uh, really, maybe uh, an opportunity to win that ball game. Uh, they had other opportunities to score, too, and they didn't. And the defense needed to make a few more stops. But, uh, I mean, we could talk about all that. I, In the end, I thought, really, they played as best as they possibly could. under A couple bad breaks didn't go their way. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you have to make plays, both mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. And the Browns just didn't make enough plays to win that game on the road in Kansas City as defending champions. They were in position to make those plays. They just didn't do it. And as for the punt with about five minutes left in the game, uh, Mahomes was out yep. of the ball game. And you had, you know, Chad Henning yeah. in that quarterback. I had no problem punting the ball there on fourth and nine and asking your defense to make a play. And give credit to Chad Henning for making plays. hmm Uh, And like I said, you have to make a play. I don't care if you're offensive, defense, special teams. It's all about making a play when the opportunity arises. And when he got that, you know, third down and 14, and he just came up short of the first down. And then on fourth down, he made the completion to to seal the ball game away. And I don't fault the coaching staff there. I know a lot of people say you have to go on fourth and uh, nine there from your own 32, because you don't want to give the ball back. Now, if Mahomes was in the ball game, I, you can make that case and I am not going to argue, but with Chad handing in the ball game and your defense played, you know, Ben don't break football all all game all season long. You have miles Garrett. You know, I, I, I strategy wise, I can't fault it. I didn't think it was a bad play. If it was fourth and five and they punted, I would have been upset. If it was fourth and six, I'd probably be upset, but fourth and nine and a backup quarterback in the ball game, um, have yeah, go, go make a play defensively. Go make a play, yeah. You're right.
1: And you know, first off, um, and it's why you could see why the Chiefs are the defending a Super Bowl champions, they they have their championship culture. And when they needed to make a play, like you said, they made it. Um, but the Browns, on the other hand, you gotta I'm a firm believer in this too. You have to learn how to lose first. Before you learn how to win. Um, and compared to where this franchise was just last year with Freddie kitchens till now, the culture changed by Kevin Stefanski and everybody on down is evident. Um, I didn't think the Browns played a bad game at all time, you're right. I, I will agree with you there. Um, as far as a touchback goes, as the Broncos fan, I we had that happen was this year. It cost us a game against the Titans on the second play of the game. Um, but it helped us beat the Steelers a couple years ago. Um, and it also happened to Ohio State in 2010 in the Rose Bowl where Garrett Blunt fumbled through the end zone in Ohio State instead of being down seven, got the ball back up three or something like that or tied, and they went ahead and won the game. So it, you're right. It's been around for years. Um, as far as the fourth and nine call goes, I am fully on board with punting the football there. Because consider this. You're at Arrowhead. You're playing – a chiefs team that can score from anywhere on the field. Now, granted, Patrick Mahomes was out fourth and nine. You, you had what? Five minutes left to think you said lower five minutes. Yeah. Four or five minutes left. Um, you put the pressure on Chet Henning to go make a play. And you know what he did? He made two nice plays uh, really gutsy by Andy Reid on fourth and inches. Instead of lining up, handing it off quarterback, sneaking it. No, he rolled out and threw it. Um, and hats off to him. If that were Patrick Mahomes in the game, though, on fourth and nine, I'm probably going for it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the difference in the game. I really do. That'd be, I mean, I know the fancy said it probably would not have changed his position. Mm-hmm. And hey, look, the Browns only had like, I think one three and out all day defensively. Mm-hmm. And that was against Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, but you're talking about the most talented quarterback in the league right now and the defending Super Bowl champions, as as we all know. Uh, I think that went into the decision-making. And quite honestly, I mean, were the Browns up against it in that game the whole way? Yes. Uh, They had chances. Yes, they were. Uh, You can argue that they didn't get the running game going like they should have. Well, truth of the matter is the game scenario for the last three weeks, they haven't really – Mm -mm. given the running backs that opportunity, Uh, you know, Chubb had 13 carries. I think the most carries he's had in the last four weeks is around 15. Yeah. You know, it's not many more. Uh, Same with Hunt. Now you can argue, and it's a fair argument in my opinion, that Hunt and Chubb didn't get the ball enough in the first quarter or the first half. Mm -hmm. I will say this. They did try to get them involved through the passing game and Chubb did drop a few passes and like, the one towards the end of the ball game on, where they only picked up a, a yard or two before the fourth mm-hmm. and nine, it was a, it was a difficult pass to catch and he juggled it and he did catch it. And it did, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, didn't lead to a, an opportunity to get five, six, seven yards on that down where was in front of him before uh, the juggle. And like I said, it was a high pass. It was a hard pass to catch. Uh, he made the catch. So, you know, give him credit where credit's due there. But, I mean, I think that's fair criticism. I don't think it's outrageous criticism. Uh, I don't think it was a difference in the ballgame, to be quite honest. You were, you were going up against a team that had two to prepare, who was healthier than you are. Uh, I think the Browns proved that they belong in the playoffs and proved the last two weeks that they can beat just about any team in football on any given day. Now, I will say this. The defense is lacking players, and I've been saying it all year. Uh, we have defensive backs that don't even belong on the field, starting simply because of injuries and depletion in, in your de- in secondary. Uh, it's come back to hurt them the last few weeks, but it, they only gave up 22 points to a very good offense. So they did some things right, and they bend and didn't break throughout most of that game. And you got to give credit uh, for the effort and the and how they played. But I look at the season. I mean. I'm not disappointed. I'm disappointed they lost a game mm-hmm. that they could possibly win and could be playing this week in Buffalo. But uh, that doesn't change where they're at. Now, this offseason, obviously, his defense has to be forefront of some of the moves they're going to make. Sure, they're going to probably look for an offensive lineman you know, to add depth to the offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, a playmaker, if there's one available. I'm sure all that is, is part of the wish list but obviously defensive backs and linebackers are something that the, the Browns are going to have to invest in either through free agency or through the draft and, or trades for that matter. And we'll see exactly what, you know, what transpires uh, this spring from, but yeah, there's no question in my mind the defense is going to look different next year because, you know, Oliver Vernon, who, who was, they lost the week previous against Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was not available. And that made a big difference on the defensive line. Uh, he probably won't be back at his age, and coming off a Achilles uh, tear. So, uh, you know, the Achilles heel type scenario. You're just going to make changes, and that's just the way it works in the NFL. Uh, you're going to have changeover. They'll probably be, you know, a normal roster is what 52 players, not counting the the practice squad, mm-hmm. which was 15 or 18 this year. Let's not count that because that was because of COVID let's go with the 52-man roster. I will not be surprised if there's 15 new members of Cleveland Browns next year just because that's normal turnover. Every, yes, year, every year, every team goes through turnovers. Some have a little less, some have a little bit more. I think the Browns will probably have a minimum of seven or eight guys on the offense or excuse me, on the defense uh, that will be replaced. Uh, it's just, that's the nature of the game. And some players who were injured all year may not be back. Grady Williams, maybe a good player. We don't know. He's never on the field. Mm -hmm. So uh, is it possible that they'll move on from him? Yeah. I mean, I don't see why they would keep him or pay him uh, a third year level for a guy who's played maybe a handful of games in two years. So, uh, you know, who knows? I don't, I can't. (laughs) Then again, they may keep him and draft his brother. So uh, Mm -hmm. anything's possible. Yeah. my, My point is, but I expect, you know, 10 minimum, probably up to 15 new players on the Cleveland Browns roster next, and probably most of them on the defensive side of the field.
1: Yeah, I agree with um, you. The noticeable uh, weakness on the Browns defense is a linebacker. And in the NFL nowadays, you have to have not only guys that can stop the run, but you have to have guys that are quick enough and athletic enough to cover tight ends in the league. Because if you can't cover a tight end in the NFL, it's going to be a long day for your defense. Um, so I would imagine there's going to be so two, maybe three new linebackers um, as far as depth and starting-wise goes. Um, you're going to have a couple new defensive backs. But it's also – now we can see the Browns' depth. We mentioned Olivier Vernon's gone. Um, so we, we'll see who steps in there to replace him. The good news with the Browns, there's a lot of good defensive players this year in the draft. In a positions. position. This draft is loaded. Maybe not with the superstar name, but there are some really, really good football players out there.
0: This is where you find out On the, the strengths of your organization. Yes. Uh, because yep. the scouting level and uh, making trades and targeting free agents – is a big part of football today. And this is where we're going to find out if the, uh, the Barry organization who runs down, you know, the Browns, you know, GM and at uh, how good they are. Uh, they had a really good year last year when they came in and drafted. Mm-hmm. It was a very successful uh, draft. I mean, I was, unfortunately you had, you know uh, injuries that prevented some players from even seeing the field this year. But I think a lot of people were, were really happy with some of the uh, the players they brought in. Mm -hmm. and the success that they had so you know we'll see what Andrew Barry can do and the rest of his uh, team this offseason and you know I the exciting thing is the uh, drafts in Cleveland and maybe by April or May we will have less restrictions that we have today and uh, who knows may even uh, be able to go
1: is the draft in Cleveland this year or is it in Vegas? They pushed back. Cleveland. Cleveland. Is it's the in Cleveland. It's Cleveland. Next year Vegas, then.
0: Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I my understanding is still in Cleveland uh, this year, unless they you know make an announcement yeah, I don't, soon. As far as I know, that the 2022 draft is or the 2021 draft is in Cleveland. I i you know it should be uh interesting now. Uh, real quick on the draft, there will be no uh uh Indianapolis this year because of the COVID.
1: Yeah, you're that's right. Gonna be, that's gonna we be no totally combine be Yeah, huge. no combine,
0: exactly. Well,
1: let's so, hope um, what the drafts April 29th, I think the first day is.
0: Is yeah, that yeah, that sounds about right. I, I forget the exact date, but that sounds in the right range. What um I'll tell you what, Tim, if by April or May
1: uh we have some of the uh restrictions loosened, well, we're gonna be uh inference <laughs> hopefully.
0: Yeah, it should be good. And with that in mind, uh, the YSU football season is not that far away.
1: No, uh, actually, uh, tomorrow is 30 days out. Wow. It seems really odd. Um, Practice starts Friday um, for the spring season, eight-game season. As of now, we are kicking off 3.30 on Sunday afternoon, February 21st, in the Fargo Dome against the defending national champions uh, with a uh, transfer quarterback from Virginia tech and Hendon hooker or uh, Quincy Patterson. They have two quarterbacks. They played a four or five quarterbacks this year, but, uh, but uh, Indiana state has opted out. So the MVFC is redoing a schedule. So we may not be heading to Fargo week one, but as always, Tim and I will be back this year for year three of the ice cast report. And that should be, uh, we should be recording our first episode a month from tonight it's it's definitely going to be weird talking football in February, but I don't care. I, no, I, I don't care. It, uh, if,
0: if there's a good thing that's come out of this, this is we're going to have football season. Tim, I tell long. you what, this could, this to me, and,
1: and I know it's going to be a lot of games. It is going to be a minimum. God willing, everybody is healthy, and we can get all eight games in this year, in the fall 11. 19 games from February Till November. Yeah. But I but I tell you what, though, to where we're at as a program, new coaching staff, uh, half your defense is freshmen or redshirt freshmen. The opportunity to play games this year in the spring, regardless if you win or lose them, is absolutely huge going into the fall of this year and, and normal season starting in 2020 because you can get out there – and play somebody else and see what you need to work on.
0: Well, and even bigger for schools like Youngstown State and the Mm -hmm. mid-majors, it's a free year. Yes. All the players get to keep their eligibility at the same level the following year. Which is huge. You're a sophomore this year. You can basically be a sophomore the following year eligibility-wise in the fall. So... I mean, that's just huge. And if you're a senior, you have to come back for a fifth year. So, you know, I mean, that's just what is available. And, you know, we're seeing some of that decision-making being happened at the Division One level, too. Now, grant you the NFL and the pay data that's in front of most of these players are going to choose the money. And I get that. And I'm not here telling them mm-hmm. not to because I've always been, uh, if you can get paid, you gotta you got to do it because there's no guarantees Mm-hmm. that you're going to have that type of uh, opportunity again in your lifetime but you know every day is a new opportunity and a new situation we'll see what happens and, uh yeah no i'm excited about like i said having football all season long and it's gonna be odd i'm, I'm gonna i mean we've talked spring football before but we never talked actually competition no. spring football before so uh it should be good it, it kind of reminds me of my uh, teenage years back when the USFL first got started, mm-hmm. and when they, they tried the, the the spring league and it had some success. Um, other leagues have tried it. The US uh, or the NFL had their own brand of of that uh, back in the uh, in the 90s. I guess it was late 80s, early 90s. Yep. Uh, and it became European uh, NFL Europe in the end. Uh, obviously, that lasted maybe three, maybe four years max, and then that faded away. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I definitely believe there's a market for football in the spring and mm-hmm. possibly summertime, but if you're expecting NFL level or Division One football level, that's a mistake. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see no. that level of football in the springtime. But could you find competitive fun and entertaining football in the spring, in the future. Yes. And maybe the XFL under uh, the rock will make a, a return in a few years and we'll see, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson bought the rights to the, the XFL uh, when it went into bankruptcy and we'll see where that, you know, goes forward. I still think as much as they, they you know, if I was, you know, and I'm no marketing genius and I don't know nothing, I'm the Mm. first to say that just just my thoughts on something like that. And I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent. uh, They need to find alternative markets that they don't as as much as you want to be in the major markets. And Mm -hmm. I have nothing wrong with being in uh, in the three big markets of of New York, Chicago and L.A. LA, You know, those those make total sense. And you want to be in those markets because that's where the television coverage is. But the secondary markets the markets like let's say akron canton akron canton area yes uh you know uh uh tallahassee in mm-hmm. florida you know stuff like that uh markets that you don't necessarily use as nfl style Science, or yes. major league sites mm-hmm. uh, would make sense i mean las vegas used to be that destination but las vegas now has the nhl and the nba and the, yep. the nfl uh so you know not necessarily, but you never know. But uh, you could find, you know, places where you could put it. You know, a perfect place would be St. Louis. Yes. They don't perfect. have football. Yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, that's kind of a an offshoot of what we're talking about. But if, you know... And I'm sure if I'm thinking about it, they had to be thinking about be oh, They're projects. always
1: thinking about ways to grow and right. develop and get into
0: markets they're not in yet. Right. And, and let's face it, the NFL will grow again because it, it the owners make money selling teams. And when you can get a billion dollars coming in for the entire league, you're going to do it. Uh, and that's, you know, there's no the question, uh, maybe not today or tomorrow or maybe not in the next three to five years, but uh, I expect the NFL to expand again. And look for, you know, St. Louis to be a destination for uh, another, like, a market, you know, emerging that uh, we're not talking about. You know, like baseball going to Nashville. It's going to happen. When mm-hmm. it happens. We don't know when, but I guarantee you it will happen. Uh, baseball in Las Vegas probably will happen.
1: Yeah, I think I think baseball happens in uh, Nashville and Las Vegas in the next five years.
0: Yeah, it would shock
1: me. It should happen. And it – and. You know, I don't want to get off on a tangent like you said, but you're talking about markets and uh, tapping into places you're not there. Vegas, obviously, they've played spring training games the last five or six years. You just played games there, testing out the market there. That makes sense. Nashville, it's all but not if but when now. Oh, yeah. oh um, yeah. And there's still a lot of momentum and hope and enthusiasm about getting baseball back in Montreal if – they can good get point. a new stadium. Um, Olympic Stadium is it, it, it's, it's not feasible anymore. Well, but no. in a normal year, when the Blue Jays play spring training games up there and have played uh regular season games up there, they pack that place. There are some really good baseball fans in Montreal. I mean, really good baseball fans of y'all. Uh,
0: there's no um, question. There's there, there's a Mexico
1: City a... still, I think, for the NFL and Major League Baseball. Um, so yeah, there's uh. But I think the top two you mentioned, Vegas and Nashville, are going to get uh, franchises with the
0: next five, seven. Oh, yeah. I, it just, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, like and you I said, don't... other markets like Montreal and that uh, definitely deserve it and may get it, and I hope they do. Uh, well, you know, it, It's just going to take some time for that to all wash out, and who is the, the money behind it bringing those organizations to uh, fruition?
1: yeah you you know you got to think here too um that with the nfl and nhl in vegas already the nhl is booming in vegas a spot where nobody really thought the nhl would thrive it is thriving and it's not just thriving in the nevada area it has spread across the country you know yourself um Other people I see, Um, the NFL has the Raiders in Vegas. That's a historic franchise of the NFL. Major League Baseball, if they're smart, needs to get in that footprint because that can be a dynamite sports
0: town. We're seeing it. Well, if they're going to build a billion dollar stadium for the Raiders, I'm sure they can build uh, an amazing, beautiful Vegas like stadium for baseball. And you know, it would be. Uh, oh boy. quite, quite spectacular to say the least. And uh, yeah, it's it, like you said, there's markets out there that are just emerging, and they're going to get their their teams, and it's just a matter of when. It's not if population mm-hmm. moves in this country. It always has, and always will. You know, there was back in the day when the Midwest was thriving with industry. Cleveland was a top ten market in the country. It's not no more, but at one time it was. Uh, and Mm -hmm. you go on and on and on, you know, you go, it's just, our population always follows where the jobs go and where opportunity lies not to uh, get on a, uh, you know, a different type of subject, but that's the way it works. And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And, uh, yeah, so you're always going to see markets move and, uh, uh, emerge as time goes by, but. Yeah, if I was the XFL, I would look at secondary markets because it's not top-notch football. It's it's second-level football. It's like, you know, I, a perfect example, college football has many divisions. It has Division One. It has the subdivision, you know, that Youngstown State plays in. You have the mid-majors that the Akrons and the Toledos and other have uh, come in. So I would... I, if I was them that's where I would be looking what? to build organizations and model it after the thought process of Green Bay Packers the Green Bay Packers are in a yep. market that is small yes but it, but it draws from Milwaukee it draws from the entire state Michigan, of Michigan yep. it yep. draws from a region and uh, you know that's what how I would approach it speaking of because like you said it's inevitable
1: we've had the USFL, back one, the XFL, the AAF, you know, that there is going to be football in the spring permanently. We just need to find that that perfect uh level and you know because like you said, division one is never going to move there. That that has its own money-making cow in the fall. And rightfully so. You don't, but what about division two and division three in the spring? More so, maybe Division Three.
0: I think tradition and football will always stay in the fall. Always I'm the fall. But I think this is a unique scenario. We'll talk about this ten years from now about how we had football in the spring. Um, you know, for the lower divisions, mm-hmm. and and we have some high schools. I think in the Look, in the country, like you... I believe California is still planning a spring football season. Oh, are they? I, I, last I knew, I haven't really heard about it. They I do at all or mm-hmm. not. And I'll have to do some research on that, but I know uh, Texas and New Jersey, I think, are playing seven man football in the spring. That might be true. Is that that um, might be true? Now Texas you, had a fall season, so they may have a separate. You're season, right. You know, so um, but I think different parts of the country chose to do different ways. Mm-hmm. I know California did not have football in the mm-hmm. fall, and it was planned on having it in the spring. A spring season, yes, right for for high school. So. Yeah, let will see. We'll see how it all works out, but I think this is going to be just a, a year or uh, a couple of years, God forbid, but possibility, I guess, that when we talk about how uh, normal seasons got moved and and how, uh, but again, you go back to both the uh, you know, 1AA level and Division Three and Division Two. The reason they mm-hmm. moved them is because economics, they couldn't compete. Yep. They, no. They, they need fans in the stands. This is yes, not they do. you know, this is not the the Big Ten that has a, a contract in their own network or the SEC or whoever. These yeah. schools need the, the revenue that that why a student has. needs the money. Oh, absolutely. And every and, and- school, every member school in the Missouri Valley Football Conference needs the money. They have to have revenue. And it, it is it will be a major drain on the university's athletic program and that if they don't have that's why basketball season is being played yeah, they can't have fans in a lot of these places or very little, but yeah. something is better than nothing and that's where we're at. And you know, Hopefully in 100 days, things will be totally different than they are now. Uh, I hopefully, as well as you well. know we continue to grow as a country and get better, uh, but I'm not going to say it's going to be better in 100 days. I have no freaking clue. I'm, I'm just going to take it day by day just like you and everybody else is and, and try to be as respectful as I can. Look, I'm an Pennsylvania doing high school basketball games. Every location is different. Mm-hmm. I did games where no fans were allowed. Oh, boy. None. I've done games where they had a small crowd of families allowed. Mm-hmm. I've seen where they, like, so every every community, every school is making their own rules as it pertains to what is best for them in their community which I totally understand and I totally respect. So, like I said, uh, I've broadcast uh, three or four games this year. I don't know the exact number. I haven't paid attention. I just do the next game on the schedule, or if I can pick one up, I do it. But my point is, uh, we've been on the road. Uh, I say we. That's the first time i ever said that. Uh, Newcastle. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, it, it's, it's fun. But uh, Newcastle has been on the road all season long, basically. In in section play, Uh, they're three and zero in section play, and two of the communities did not have any fans. One community did. So, um, can we'll just see how it 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 transpires going forward. Can you?
1: Now we're sitting here January twentieth. Yes. And hopefully, like we've talked about, we don't know uh, day by day, but it seems to be. Uh, an emphasis now being put on getting the vaccine out to the people that need to get it. Uh, The plan seems to be getting ironed out, fixing some flaws here and there. Hopefully Uh, can you imagine August the 21st or whatever it is, our first high school football game of the year with no restrictions, hopefully, and max capacity. I mean, that, wherever we are, Tim, we could have two teams that are going to finish one in nine. And that would, and that I can't wait for the game that you, Matt and I do, uh, where there's no restrictions and there's, and we can have a couple thousand well, people.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the goal for everybody. Let's be honest. Uh, that's what we all want. And, and we'll get there. We'll get there. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh You know, not to get, you know, but as a sports fan, we're getting there. And we are. It's going to take time, but we'll get there. And that's the way I look at it. And as of today, as you mentioned, John and Jerry, 20th, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, uh, I go to a school and it's it's a totally empty gym other than those that need to be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is fantastic, by the way. Uh, If you want to watch the games, I'm going to try to give the links off of my phone before I use my phone to broadcast from. Uh, But uh, we have uh, all our games are basically simulcast on Facebook on live video. So you'll hear uh, James and I do the game with live videos. So uh, if you're sitting at home and want to watch a great basketball program, I highly recommend start following the Red Hurricane media page uh, for basketball. And you'll get all the basketball. You'll get the uh seventh and eighth grade you'll get uh, all the way up to the varsity boys and girls uh they'll you know you don't have to see them all but on any tuesday thursday friday saturday whatever mm-hmm. we're broadcasting on uh you're gonna have a chance to uh to watch that and hear uh james and i do a game it's a lot of fun i gotta be honest i've said it many times uh, i've worked with a lot of different people in this world and uh, i'm very fortunate to work with someone as talented as James is, uh, knowing that he could sit in my chair and do the play-by-play mm-hmm. uh, if I ever could not, and do um, an, an amazing job. So uh, he's he's fantastic, and uh, the two of us, I think, have a good chemistry, have a great job together, and uh, I uh, invite everybody to, uh, to listen and to watch, for that matter. With that in mind, uh, I think I'm done talking about... Uh, 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 newcastle for now but uh i hope i i i don't know with with their with the newcastle games being on facebook and all that i don't know if it's necessary for me to put them on face on mm-hmm. on our podcast uh on a feed if someone wants a game i'll do it that way uh they want a, an audio copy mm-hmm. uh they may be able to get video copies through the facebook page or through the high school i which is you know fine with me too uh so Thinking about it, haven't done it. Got a couple games that I could load up. Maybe I'll load up uh, this this week's games and see if there's any uh, downloads for it. Just out of curiosity, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, that's about, like I said. Uh, I I'm so uh, it is a uh, it's a passion, and I look forward to uh, uh, continuing my association with uh, Newcastle because it is one of the uh, broadcasting joys that I get.
1: Yeah, there. are you know, I watched briefly what Saturday's game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, they can score the ball. I'll tell I tell you mean, what, they can shoot the lights out of the ball. And you want to, and you know, this is what I want to talk about. I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. And you think about Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson, and you think about, you know, Newcastle being really good this year. Um, the chiefs are really good this year. The Packers are really good this year. Um, And you look at those teams I mentioned, and it's no surprise that even in a pandemic year where we don't, we don't know anything, you know, the, the team practicing today could be completely different than the team practicing tomorrow. And the team playing on Friday or Saturday could be completely different than those two days. But, more specifically to Newcastle, it shows you the culture that Ralph Blundo has built there. That no matter what is being thrown at them this year with COVID and everything else, they're still winning and they're still succeeding at a high level. It's just the ability to adapt and to just focus on each individual day. We talk about day by day on this podcast. I've marveled at, you know, the. It's not like these kids are professionals. You know, they're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old in a period where hopefully they never see again. You know, let's hope to God we never have another year of the pandemic. Um, and for them to be as successful as they are this year and not make any excuses and just go out there and just lay the wood to teams, uh, it's, it's a joy to listen to. They're, they're a really good program.
0: You know, I've talked to Coach over the years, uh, Coach Bundle, and mm-hmm. uh, Roth is a, is a, is a really interesting guy. And what makes him so successful, and what makes that program successful, is something that we talked about before: is uh, not just building. Is building a culture is absolutely one hundred percent about it. You look at your successful coaches; they've all mm-hmm. built. They're all different, but they all have that unity. And mm-hmm. there's no question, you know, Newcastle has that. And, and that starts with, with Coach Belundo and his coaching staff. Uh, they're all friends. They all get along. They're all willing to challenge each other's and, and make suggestions. And they're all accepted. No one's thought as you can't make a suggestion during a game if they believe so. If they believe mm-hmm. this is going to help the team. Or this is, you know, let's try this right now. Let's change up the defense. Let's, you know, let's put this matchup on. And that's all part of building a culture. And also building a culture is, is togetherness and, and unity. And Newcastle, you know, when they break the huddle, they say together, because they're always together. Matter of fact, their Twitter page is NC Together uh, for the basketball program. So uh, it tells you everything you need to know. And uh, I think you see that at all levels, especially the collegiate levels. It starts with the head coach. Mm-hmm. He, he he makes that program, whatever program we're talking about, he's the figurehead. He's the one that's not going to leave year after year. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. some do move to different jobs and stuff like that. But the f- foremost, that's who you center around. If you're Ryan Day at Ohio State mm-hmm. or if you're Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, you know who your coaches, and that's who, who basically starts your culture and how they handle situations that are in front of them. Jim Trussell was always about making a family atmosphere yep. about his programs and his players at Ohio state and Youngstown state loved them. And they always talk highly of what he achieved and what he did and how he brought that program to the levels that they were. And same with urban Meyer, same with so many mm-hmm. uh, uh, coaches. So I think it starts with that. It starts with good people around you. And also it, it's about expectations. And expectations beyond what's what happens on the field, how you characterize yourself, how you deal with uh, with scenarios that may affect your play on the field, or if it's injuries or it's outside influence, I think that all matters. And uh, when you get at the high school level, I you know you have to have a leader who makes everybody on the same page, and that and to me that's exactly it. You could be intense. You you know and, and whatever necessary you know it's just your personality you just have to be you have to be authentic and I mm-hmm. think that's the key and when you look at at coaches they're authentic you know Bill Belichick you know personality in the in the in the media is not the same person in a in the locker room or is not the same person who uh, the players know on a one on one basis yes the personality we see is similar. But the personality on a one-on-one basis, I guarantee, you, is totally different. Uh, is he transactional? Probably. But it's you know, I've heard many people say it and many times that he's one of the funniest people they've ever been around. Uh, he just has that dry sense of humor that works. Mm-hmm. And those who've been around him, I mean he's all business. There's nothing wrong with that. He's but you know, his six Super Bowls speak for themselves. And to get back to another part when you were talking about all the NFL teams, it starts with the coach, it starts with the quarterback. If those two have frictions, then you don't have a chance. If you have a quarterback that you have a coach that doesn't believe in a quarterback, they're not going to have a chance. And it works all the way down the line. It starts with that relationship. And you look over the years, you know, either a coach or the quarterback stays. You look at, for example, in in uh, Green Bay, Uh, the coach left, the quarterback stayed. Mm -hmm. You know, they found someone who works with them. Did it take a year for him to really buy into this new system of before? Yeah, but it worked. Uh, What we've seen this year in Cleveland is we found a coach that it took a while to communicate with Mayfield and get him on the same page. But the last seven, eight weeks of the season, counting the playoffs, we seen a high level Baker Mayfield on the field. Uh, Does he still have the same limitations that he had prior? Sure. He's still a small quarterback. He's still going to have deflections. You know, he still, uh, you know, may make a a couple bad reads. I mean, that's just nature. But the relationship between those two is what builds going forward will determine how well the Browns will be. Uh, You know, there's no question in my mind. And you look at, you know, what's going on in Buffalo. You know, that relationship matters. And you look at all the four teams. You know, read with Mahomes. They that it, they're tied. There is, it's like a marriage almost. Uh, you need that symmetry. If you don't have that with your coaching and your quarterback, I guarantee it, you're not going to win football games. It just does not work. That's why every coach gets fired. You know, and, and half the times it's because they can't find the quarterback to work their system properly, or they can't find the quarterback they believe in. Mm -hmm. And it's a combination of uh, many things. Uh, For example, what's going on in Houston? Why do you think Watson wants out? Because he doesn't believe in the organization to do him right. He doesn't believe the organization is going to bring in good coaches and that to go forward to make them better. That's why he wants out. He wants to to start over for that reason alone. He's lost total faith in the organization to build a team around him. And that's why you're hearing all the, the the ruckus down in Houston. It's not just because they're a bad football team. It's because everyone believes he's a good quarterback, mm-hmm. and no one has made an effort to build that team properly around him. You know, and that's where you run into scenarios where quarterbacks want to run out of town, and you can't blame them.
1: You cannot, and you're exactly right, Tim. I don't. You know, we're not Texans fans, but it's not. It doesn't take an idiot to figure out. I mean. The moves they made personnel-wise and coaching-wise the last couple of years, you can't blame Deshaun Watson at all for wanting to get out. And if you, if you read now, it's not just Deshaun Watson. Andre Johnson, who was a stud sections receiver, he was not very thrilled with the ownership down there. DeAndre Hopkins couldn't wait to get out, and now he's enjoying Arizona. Um, And if you're a Sean Watson, you're sitting here thinking, I have no receivers to throw to really. I have no really running backs. The offensive lineman that Bill O'Brien traded the sun and the moon for, Larry Tunsell's, eh. You know, like, your whole job as an organization, when you have arguably probably the greatest player to ever wear a Texans uniform. And you do nothing to build around him. I mean, you've done really nothing to build around him for the uh, future to sustain success. And it's 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 almost criminal to that point. Well, and you can't blame it all for wanting out. But then again, if you're the Texans, you can't trade him because you you may never get a player like that again.
0: Yeah, you're gonna if you're gonna make a trade, uh, you're gonna get a quarterback back. And that's what we're gonna play. Well, yeah, and you know, when you look at the market, and and obviously the Jets is the one that stands out the most mm-hmm. because you know they can move on from Donald and and, and switch up quarterbacks. So uh, if that happens, it happens. Uh, we'll see. Uh, who knows what where, where it all land? They haven't hit, you know hired a head coach yet. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts in that storyline. So but I can understand why he's upset and uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, like I said, uh, there's a marriage there. Your coach and your quarterback have to have respect and believe in each other. Uh, you can't do it without. that. And that's just the way it works. And uh, you know, it works that way in the NBA, your star player and your coach have to be on the same page. <clears throat> LeBron James proved that a hundred times within the Cavs, mm-hmm. uh, when he, you know, uh, what was his name? Uh, the European coach. What was his name? Blatt. Blatt. Thank you. When when Blatt was the head coach, was Blatt winning? Yeah. Was LeBron James happy? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no way and, at all. And who who won? <laughs> LeBron, LeBron James. won every time. Yeah. And, every time. And that's just the way it works. Uh, you know, your star player and your coach have to be on the same page. And in the in the NFL, that's your quarterback and your head coach. Uh, and Baseball, for the most part, you want a manager who can manage a, an entire team, who has the respect of the entire team, who believes that they're putting players in the right position at the right time. A uh, little different game, but obviously they're judged on how they handle a pitching staff and how that pitching staff responds to that manager's and their use of those players. Uh, obviously, everyday players are there and they're going to play and, you know, you're gonna get along and not get along with uh with your stars. I mean that doesn't matter. It's how you handle your pitching staff, it's how a manager is uh truly, truly evaluated. Uh, in the end, that's how baseball's won and lost, and it's how you're gonna do it.
1: Yeah, it's your stars are always gonna win out, no matter what it, the NBA, we've seen it time and time again. If LeBron's not happy, then it don't matter how much you're winning. Um Excuse me, allergies here. Yeah, um, no problem. But uh, Kobe Bryant too. There was there was a good two-year stretch in LA where Kobe threatened to be traded. He said he wanted to be traded.
0: Um, Mike Brown's a perfect example of that. He didn't get yeah. along with Mike Brown. Mike Brown didn't survive in, in LA. No. Uh, was Mike Brown, is Mike Brown a bad coach in the NBA? No. no. He's proven he, he can be successful. The problem is, you know, for whatever reason it may be, You know, when Mike Brown had LeBron James, LeBron James was a younger player at that time, but that, that, uh, that relationship didn't last because when he had a chance to bolt for Miami and and create the first big three type scenario uh, and be, yeah. And be around Pat Riley, that was important to LeBron James. You know, Mike Brown wasn't, Uh, you know, and of course, Mike Brown was fired trying to keep LeBron James. And then when, I, when he returned <laughs> to the Cleveland, uh, one of the first things they did is they fired him because they thought just that LeBron James yep. would come back. So yep. it, it shows you. I mean, I'm not saying that was the exact reason, but I'm sure it played into uh, some of the decision making that happened that year. And, you know, it is a unique circumstances, but relationships do matter. And every sport has their certain relationship that must work. Why do you think Belichick and Brady got along so well? They were, you know, that personality, that work relationship worked. Uh, right now, you can say in Tampa, that new relationship that Brady has works. Uh, you can say the same thing, you know, uh, with LaFleur and with Rogers, Rogers it yeah. works. You look at all four final four teams in the NFL, and you can see that symmetry between the quarterback <laughs> and the head coach. They're on the same page. That's why they're all there. That's what made it really intriguing to watch the Browns because the Browns made the move this year to get into that conversation going forward with a young quarterback and a young head coach and moving forward. Well, just the opposite is happening in Pittsburgh. You have an old, you have a veteran coach and an old quarterback and they're probably doing this. They're probably going away from each other. And who knows if that's going to have another year or not. I mean, we just don't know yet, but, Uh, Whoever may replace Roethlisberger in the future, Tomlin's not going anywhere. No, he's not. Uh, He's the head coach. And he's been there. And he's been successful. And and the organization uh, believes in him. But quarterbacks do get old. And quarterbacks do uh, end up retiring. You know, Rivers just retired this past week, you know, after 17 years in the NFL. You know, players move on. Father time wins. It's undefeated. Father time doesn't win. is against Tom Brady. That's I don't right. understand that, but it's true. So far, the only person I know to defeat That's right. a Father Time is Tom Brady. I don't know to deal with the devil, I guess. But uh, you know, hey, <laughs> uh, hey, 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 uh, give credit where credit is due. You know, I mean, there is hell's Michigan, so I guess it only makes sense, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, like you mentioned. Father Time is will always be undefeated, and, uh, as you say. Everything and everyone has a shelf life, Um, and unfortunately for Steeler fans, that shelf life is coming up in the next year or two. Yeah, maybe this year. year. Yeah, maybe they don't have
0: the quarterback to replace him.
1: Yeah, and and that's uh, you know that's what uh, you talk about you know coach and player relationships and uh, having a shelf life of their time. Andy Reid saw. That meanwhile, Alex Smith was a, still a very good quarterback still had a, a, now when he was healthy, still had a couple more years to play. He could not pass up on a chance to draft Patrick Mahomes. You have to always find that next quarterback. And as ugly as it may be for the Packers, when they do it, they found, they found to be successful with it from Favre to Rogers. Now, maybe Rodgers to Jordan Love, we don't know. Um, but you always have to be searching for the next best thing, because like you mentioned, father time is undefeated and he may come a lot sooner than you had anticipated.
0: You know, it comes down to talents and talent evaluation and talent around you. And, you know, the Steelers had a really good first 11 weeks of the season. And then injuries and father time and yep. just a team getting old all happen mm-hmm. at once. And uh, they weren't the same team that they were in week seven or eight that they were in week 17, 18. And that's just that's nature, like you just said, and his father time. And, yep. uh, you know, going into next season for the first time in what, 10 years, the Steelers are not going to be the favorite to win that division. It's Baltimore and Cleveland are going to be the favorite. And Baltimore probably will be the overwhelming favorite. Cleveland finishing second and Pittsburgh finishing third with Cincinnati maybe challenging them. Yes,
1: exactly. You know, if you can get a healthy Joe Burrow back, unfortunately uh, the ACL and MCL injury uh, cut short a very promising rookie year. But you look at that offense down in Cincinnati, outside of the offensive line that needs some work, there's some pieces there. Uh, is Zach Taylor the answer at head coach? We don't know yet, but you have pieces at the skill position players for Joe Burrow to work with that. It's, it could be the year or two and Pittsburgh's the last place team. That's a vision.
0: Right. Here's here's again, we'll go back to the same thing we talked about before. It's like the chicken or the egg. Do you find the head coach or do you find the quarterback first? Uh, But in the end, you need them both. Um, Yes, you do. And when it comes to playoff time, that head coaching and, and the decisions they make affects games. So you want a person who, who makes good quality decisions most of the time, if not almost all the time, and that's impossible, but uh, makes solid decisions that doesn't put his team in situations where they're uh, handicapped. And yep, that's where we're going to find out. And I'll be honest, all four coaches right now in the, uh, in the, uh, Conference championships, I think, have put their team in the best scenarios to win a ball game. Yep. So we'll see, you know, what happens this week. Uh, part of me thinks Tampa Bay is going to get there. I have not discounted. At it. home. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be the first time ever. Why not after yes, once, it 50, would. 54 years? 55. Uh, yeah. This will be 55th. 50, 50, yeah, 54. Yeah. 55th. 50 yep. 50, uh, uh Super Bowl. So it'll be the first time in Super Bowl history that a home team has a home game. Yep. So uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm you know, I still I said it last week and I'll say it again. I still think Green Bay is the best team in the NFL. I truly do. So uh my pick is Green Bay to win it all. Yep. And I'm gonna go with the upset. I'm gonna say Green Bay and Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I said that word. Green, Green Bay winning the whole thing.
1: I said that at work today. Uh, somebody asked me, who do I take? And I said, you know, I don't, I really don't know, but uh, give me green Bay and Buffalo. And uh, a lot hinges on number 15's health. Oh, is sure he going to play? Is he not going to play? Um, if he does play, how healthy he, he is. Uh, they met in, I don't know if you saw this, but Buffalo, Kansas city and Tampa Bay and green Bay all met in week six. Oh yeah. And now they're, yeah. And now I read that yesterday, and now they're meeting this weekend. Um, I'd say what, part of me wants, you know, not that it matters to me, part of me wants the Bills to win. Um Sure. Because
0: of know, the history. I mean... Exactly. Justin, I mean... It's a great city, and you would love to see them oh, celebrate what a win. That, and, and take nothing away from Tampa. Well, let me talk about Tampa real quick. I mean, obviously, they won the NHL Championship. Yep. It is the Stanley Cup. Uh, they... You know, they had a, a great baseball team this year. Yes, they did. You know, they they had opportunities. So uh, they've, they've, you know, as a, a community, have tasted some championship uh, champagne. Uh, mm-hmm. Buffalo always been the, uh, you know. The they've always been the place mate. Yeah, yeah, the bars yeah. made Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be that. I mean, Kansas City had that up until last year. Uh, it'd be great to see Kansas City win the whole thing again and be the repeat champion for the first time in almost 20 years. So, I mean, there's a lot of storylines. You could talk about them all. Like I said, I said this for the last, you know, five, six weeks that I think Green Bay is the best team in football. I'm going to stick with that until they prove me they're not Uh, who knows it will play. Uh, But who knows if they'll get past uh, Tampa Bay, be quite honest with you, but you know, for, for the fun of, of predicting and, I usually tell you, if I make a prediction, go the opposite it's way, always, yep. it's much safer. Uh, so it's so uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, then okay. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense, yep. you know. That, that's covering all my bases. Well, I'll tell you
1: what. There is, you look at the four teams remaining, and there's not a bad Super Bowl matchup out there. I mean, there's really not. No. Green Bay, Buffalo's good. Green Bay, Kansas City, uh, that's a historic old NFL championship matchup with... Um, Vince Lombardi and Hank Stram. Yeah. So, uh, I believe that was one of the what Super Bowl three, four, whatever it was. Uh, Two Kansas
0: City was in the first Super Bowl and was that it? Yes. And uh, they won Super Bowl four. So uh, okay, that was uh, I they were an AFL team, so they Super Bowl one. Yep. Super Bowl one was against the Packers. The Packers won. Uh, Super Bowl two, the Packers won. Super Bowl three was the Jets. Super Bowl four, the the Chiefs won. And did they play Minnesota? I don't remember. Super who they Bowl played.
1: two was the Packers. You're right. Super Bowl three was, was the Jets. The Jets won that. Jets are the Colts. Yep. Right. Super Bowl four
0: was that against the Colts too? Super Bowl four was Chiefs over Vikings. Yeah, it was Vikings. That's what I thought. Yep. Yep. That's what my mind told me. But you know, I was Super Bowl seen. five. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, I want to say Miami and uh, uh, Miami Miami lost. Super Bowl five was Colts over the Cowboys. Colts over Cowboys, that's right. That's and right. And Super
1: Bowl and, six was Cowboys over Dolphins.
0: Okay, that's the and then the Dolphins went back to back after that. Hey, that's this pretty is, impressive, still Tim. <laughs> I haven't thought about I, it in years. That's pretty impressive. Still. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about it in years. All right. Uh, Real quick, let's do some uh, baseball talk. Uh, Mm -hmm. Michael Brantley just signed a two-year $32 million deal to stay with the Houston Astros. Not a big surprise. Uh, I think that's almost the exact same number he signed two years ago with them.
1: Yes. And uh, you, you look at that and the Astros are lucky to get him back because as of 12, 1230 this afternoon, it was all reported widely that he has agreed to a three-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays and join his uh, former teammate or teammate uh, George Springer to make probably the best outfield in baseball if you throw Springer, Brantley, and uh, uh, Gurriel out there. Yeah. But regardless, uh, you look at the Blue Jays, and, you know, Michael Brantley, that's, I mean, two years, $32 million for a player of that caliber, that's a steal. I mean, that's a steal for a guy who can roll out of bed and hit three.
0: Well, here's the thing. Coming off a pandemic year where revenues are down, it was yeah. kind of surprising to me that he got the same type that of money much, that yeah. he already, that he was making this p- previous year. Yeah, uh, it was a full season, so obviously the the Astros understand. That. Plus, the Astros, are in the same vein, needed to keep somebody because they lost Springer, uh, yep. as you mentioned, just signed with uh, Toronto a six-year, 150 million dollar deal, yeah, whatever it may have been. Um, we knew Toronto was going after somebody. They were, they were in the talks for Frankie. uh Endor yep. did not happen. Uh, you knew darn well that they they were ready to make a splash. They have to to stay competitive in the ALVs, You have to. You have right. to make. You have, and they got young players. That I mean, offense they, is going to be fun to watch. Oh my God, they're going to be a a, a very competitive, good team. And
1: yes, they uh, are.
0: You know, it'll be interesting to see if they make any moves. Uh, for more pitching as the that's, season you know goes on, they have pitching, but they could. You never have enough. You always use more. No, yeah, you're you never. Wrong. You never have enough. So, that's an
1: underrated baseball town. That is a phenomenal baseball town.
0: I guess if you're an Indian fan, the question is, will you resign Hernandez, Caesar? I don't think so. Uh, they're they're talk that 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 is a legitimate possibility. I don't know if it'll happen uh you know we'll see it they got him for around six million last year uh they'll probably be in the same ballpark six seven eight million for yeah. one year uh will he want to re-sign with the indians i don't know uh yeah. possibly it, it all depends on who's in the, in the market for a second baseman and mm-hmm. i really don't know uh that 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 question uh so i think there's a possibility i i would put probably my highest hopes that that's the one signing the Indians may make this offseason is to bring him back on a one-year deal. I don't expect a, uh, if it's an aging player in the outfield type thing, fine. Yeah. Or DH type scenario, but they're going to need outfielders. I don't know. We'll see what the second and third level free agency bring, what trade they still may make. Uh, you know, again, if you have the pitching, if you can find yourself a closer, uh, you know, who develops this year or, you know, takes the lead as uh, in your bullpen to set up your bullpen, you give me Terry Francona and those young arms, you're going to be competitive even in a division that you probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of good teams getting better. We're going to have to obviously in the twins, than they have in years past. Right. And, and we'll see. I mean, right now you're going to, you know, you're going to have a new shortstop, a new first baseman. Yeah, basically a new outfield, you know, a new second baseman potentially. Um, it, it's an uphill climb, it's just that it's an uphill climb. Uh, we'll see what Antonetti and and Chernoff and and Francona come up with as the as this offseason progresses. I mean, obviously, they shed a lot. Uh, not a big surprise, they weren't in the deal for Kluber, it, it would have made a lot of sense, but. You know, when the Yankees can dish out 11 million dollars guaranteed for one season, you're not going to be in the ballpark for. If that was around seven or eight million, I think the Indians would have been in the ballpark. But at 11 million, they just you know that's what the Yankees can do. No, and and I get that. And be honest with you, that's a perfect scenario for him. He doesn't have to be the number one. He got to be the the number three or four there, and he's in great shape. Yep. Uh, yeah, great signing for the Yankees, by the way, in my opinion, and. Uh, on a one-year deal yeah, it was gr- real good for night. them for them that's that's you know like the indian sean out of five six million dollar deal i mean that's basically what it is if it's Indies, nothing yeah if the Indians signing hernandez let's say for a seven million dollar one-year deal it's the same thing as the yankees paying kluber uh 11 million dollars for a pitcher who may or may not make 30 starts this year you know let's say mm-hmm. make 25 starts let's put it more realistic now. let's say may or may not make 25 starts if he does they got their money's worth. If he doesn't, it's not the end of the world for the Yankees. For the Indians to sell out $11 million and not get any return, uh, that would be difficult on that, And that's just the way baseball structured. So, I mean, that's where the Indians are at. That's where baseball's baseball uh, You know, We're going to see more signings now, I think, from you know, here we are on January 20th to uh, the end yep. of February. Uh, this is when these players are going to be signed, and this is when arbitration is done. And we'll find out where players stand on on the money fronts, and we'll go from there. And hopefully, the Indians can then can make some moves, uh, either to trade or agency, right now. And who emerges as uh, the next uh, Cleveland uh, baseball team? And we can say Indians. going to be that for one more year. Yeah, it's a, it's
1: it's definitely going to be an interesting spring training that starts uh, February twenty seventh. Apparently, the characters report in, in five in uh, weeks. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. so. It's. I think if Indians are going to do something, it's probably going to be more towards the beginning of the training, maybe the middle of it. Yeah. Um, wait and sift out everybody and see who's available. Would really like if you could put a Bobby Bradley or a Jake Bowers at first, re-sign uh, Caesar Hernandez and put him in second, uh, Rosario at short and Ramirez at third. Then you could use uh, Jimenez, who you got in the Lindor deal, as your utility infielder. And then your outfield, uh, probably Mercado in center, Naylor and left. And I tell you what, I would throw Nolan Jones in right. And yeah. say, kid, you're not going to play third base for the foreseeable future because we have one of the top five third basemen in baseball there. Um, I know, and you know, this season is going to be different anyway, with everything going on. It's going to be a whole different year than we're used to because we lost Linder, because we lost Brad Ham, because we lost Carlos Carrasco. But I think you and I are on the same wavelength. I'm really looking forward to this year because I think we finally get a chance to see Bobby Bradley, you know, for 100 games, hopefully. We get to see Josh Naylor, who at the end of the year last year was tearing the cover off the ball, and the Yankees couldn't get him out. We maybe get to see our top prospect. We saw our top prospect last year in uh, Tristan McKenzie, our top pitching prospect. We get to see maybe our top overall prospect in Nolan Jones. Uh, So it's going to be an interesting year to see uh, some of these young kids. Uh, Logan Allen meetings are really high on his development the last couple of years. While the star-studded names of Lindor and Carrasco are gone, uh, there's still some talent here, like you mentioned. Find me a bullpen that can get you 6th, 7th, 8th, and 3 outs in the ninth to preserve the win. With the Terry Francona managed team, you never know what can happen. You know, that's the joy about baseball—you never know—and uh, I'll take my chance
0: with Tito. Exactly, I, I've always said. Uh, you know, we talk about the impact of, of coaches and how they uh, manage teams, and, and that's what what it comes down to. Uh, you know, where you know Jurgen Klopp does it for Liverpool. I mean, he's just a phenomenal manager. He get his players respond to him and you know, this year they've uh, they had too many draws and uh, they're not necessarily at the top level, but they've had a lot of injuries and they're still there. Uh, you know, the stretch run is coming, you know, now that we got into uh, January and it's going to be a compact season. So uh, not mm-hmm. to, uh, again, I'll say it, it really comes down to how your team is organized, how, who runs it and the decisions they make and some marriage of coaches and players and it matters. And- you know, that kind of is our uh, theme here today is uh, coaches and, and players and, and, and culture and how it all works together. I don't know what else course, to talk about, Anthony.
1: I'm going to finish like this. It's like Woody Hayes preached, Jim Trestle followed up with and expanded upon, Urban Meyer ran with it, and Ryan Day ran with it. Uh, you win with people. And that's pretty much it. If you surround yourself with good players – and then you surround them with good coaches, you're going to have a lot of success in every sport. seen it in football, in baseball, you win with people. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why Newcastle this year is blitzing the doors off teams and undefeated so far.
0: It's going to be a fun year in basketball. There's no question about it. With that, that's our final word here today. Always check us out on our homepage, RadioMVP.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm at Tim Continenza on all social medias. Anthony is at ACAP17 on Instagram. Uh, Say hello. Talk to us there. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, Like I said, uh, always interact with us. If you can give a rating and a review on any podcast uh, platform, please do that and help us uh, grow Radio MVP as we try to get another 10,000 listeners uh, going forward. So with that in mind, for Anthony, I am Tim, wishing you all a wonderful, good week. And uh, real quick, there'll be another podcast coming out beginning of next week, probably either Sunday or Monday. I have uh, already made arrangements uh, to talk to uh, Gemma Bastiani, and we will be getting into, again, the, uh, the AFLW coming up here really shortly which is uh, less than eight days away uh my uh, my ability to talk sports never fails me so uh, i'm looking forward to talking to gemma come saturday so it should be a lot of fun yeah, that should
1: be a fun conversation and uh looking forward to keep talking football as we uh, head into february
0: never ends with football i guarantee you that there's always something going on either around football or an oval football there's something going on all season long always in right down. With that in mind, I say goodnight for Anthony. I am Tim here in Florida. Anthony's in Campbell. We thank you for listening to us right here on RadioNVD.com.